Hello, and welcome to the Untold Hour. It's ya boy, Bowser. Has everybody seen that viral clip from one of the paranormal shows, or maybe it was like BuzzFeed ghost show where the guy says, hello, demons, it's me, ya boy. Uh, it's a simple clip, and it makes me laugh every time I think about it. It's me, ya boy. Well, it's me, your boy, Bowser. Once again, solo. We hope Jess is having fun out on all of her expeditions and her crazy travels. We'll hear all about them when she returns to us. But I've got a great episode planned this week. We took last week off for the election, and so I apologize for that. But I also think no one would have been listening to us that week. I don't know that anyone was doing anything other than watching the election. Uh, that's what I was doing. I was glued to CNN. You know, you start to get weird relationships built with the people that you're sitting and watching for hours on end. Like, oh, that's my map guy. John King's back at the map. That's my guy. I loved, if anybody watched CNN late night, you got the Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon riff house hour. I mean, those dudes were getting so slap happy, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., just roasting each other having a laugh especially the the closer it got to looking like biden was going to win i think the uh the mood in the studio lightened and you got some good stuff from cuomo and don lemon just some riff house boys uh so they kept me sane but we're back this week and uh we have a guest on this episode named ryan sprague who is, uh, well, gosh, he's he's a UFO researcher, he's a writer, he's a, a podcaster, and we're going to go deep with him about his history with UFOs, what's happening currently with UFOs, with a lot of the newer, more recent discoveries, and uh, we actually talk ghosts a little bit, too, which we don't often do with UFOlogists, but uh, we got some good ghost chat in there, so stay tuned for my interview with Ryan, but before we get into that, here is some Weird of the Week. Builder's mission to prove houses are not haunted as Halloween approaches. Okay. Creaking floorboards? Weird-sounding pipes? Well, tradesman Andy Sims has some good news if you're worried about ghosts in your home. Uh, A builder is on a mission to dispel the idea of haunted houses and prove that dodgy pipes and creaky stairs are most likely the real culprits. Hey, I've got a message for you, Andy Sims. Fuck off. Yeah, that's right. Fuck off, Andy Sims. I don't want you coming into my haunted house telling me it's all bullshit. Get out. Get out. I get it, though. You got to do what you got to do. So, a third of homeowners are convinced they live in a haunted house and are bothered by things that go bomp bomp in the night. But experienced tradesmen and buzzkiller... Andy Sims revealed these ghostly goings-on are much more likely to be simple problems at home in need of fixing. Okay, thanks. To help homeowners understand the bangs and hissing, which can plague a night's sleep, find a tradesperson service My Builder has released an informative Seven Deadly Sounds video that addresses the most common nocturnal clatterings. Ooh, maybe we should have named the podcast that, Nocturnal Clatterings. Okay, well, the real ones will call us nocturnal clatterings. My builder's Andy identifies the noises which come from broken guttering, mice in the walls, wind coming through a gap in a window, and more. The explainer video, titled Ghosts or Guttering, fuck off, comes after 52% of Brits said they have heard spooky noises at night, but haven't been able to identify where they're coming from. The most common noises reported were a creaking sound, that's 54%, Banging from a radiator, 49%, and gurglings from a toilet, 26%. Okay, first of all, if I heard any of those three things, I wouldn't assume ghosts. I'd assume what you just said. I'd assume banging from a radiator is a radiator. A creaking sound is a creaking floorboard, and gurglings from a toilet, I don't ama- I don't immediately think shit ghost. So I wouldn't be calling on you to dispel anything. I think ghost when fucking 
Cabinets are opening and closing by themselves, or chairs are scooting across the floor, okay? An unfortunate 23% have smelt a mysterious odor in their home at night, while randomly flickering lights have plagued 42% of homes. Okay, uh, some of that I, I think would trigger me uh, thinking it was ghosts. It may come as no surprise that 13% feel their home could benefit from an exorcism. A terrified 44% said they would not explore creepy noises, with 30 saying they'd send their partners to explore instead. Okay, enough with the f fucking percentages, dude. I don't care. 30%, 52%, you know what? This is proof that this article was written by somebody that doesn't give a fuck about ghosts. I don't care how the percentages break down. The video is part of my builder's Know Your Home campaign, which aims to demystify the issue millions of homeowners face. Uh, Andy Sims said, Our homes can be scary places if we don't understand them, and more so, and never more so than in the dead of night. But every spooky sound has a perfectly common explanation. So before calling an exorcist, find a great tradesperson instead. Again, I return to my fuck-off sentiment. Um, you know what? Sometimes it is ghosts, Andy. I think this is a little too insular uh, of a pitch, but a good pitch would be uh, that a guy like this is going around trying to dispel the myths of hauntings in homes and blame it all on creaky pipes and mice in the walls, and then he gets fucked up by a ghost and learns the lesson that, guess what? Sometimes it's real. All right, that's it. That's my pitch. Sold. Greenlit. What? Blumhouse? You want it? Okay. I don't know. I guess it's 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 just called Sometimes It's Real. The Andy Sims story. Uh, how much? 17 million? Yeah, I guess I can make it for 17 mil. Oh wait, that's just my fee? The production budget's 50? God damn. Okay. Shit. I didn't think this would happen on the podcast real time, but it did. All right. Well, look for my new Blumhouse horror film, Sometimes It's Real. The Andy Sims story coming to theaters wow, 2021. Okay. Cool. Timothy Oliphant plays Andy Sims. The next article. Former manager of DOD Aerospace Threat Program says UFOs are real. So this is a uh, this is important because it's 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 uh, connected to uh the topic we're going to get into with our guest. Something extraordinary was revealed today. Former high-level officials and scientists with deep black experience who have always remained in the shadows came forward on one platform. These insiders have long-standing connections to government agencies, which may have programs investigating unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAP. You know, let me just say now, I don't like the name change. Unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, that doesn't sound punk. UFO sounds punk rock. UFO. You can even say a UFO, right? UAP, UAP. Ah, I don't like it. The team includes a 25-year veteran of the CIA's Directorate of Operations, a Lockheed Martin Program Director for Advanced Systems at Skunk Works, and a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. Today marked the official launch of To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, an innovative public benefit corporation which will advance research into unexplained phenomena and develop related technology. It has established three synergistic divisions, science, aerospace, and entertainment. We believe there are discoveries within our reach that will revolutionize the human experience, says company president and CEO Tom DeLong. Hell yeah. Please see, talk about punk rock, okay? All the small things. Oh, now this can't air. Ah. Please see my previous story released yesterday for background, my previous story, the writer on Huff, HuffPo, for background on today's announcement, which was live streamed and is archived on the company website. But according to a TTSAAS statement, its team members who have been operating under the shadows of top secrecy for decades believe that there is sufficient, credible evidence of UAP that proves exotic technologies exist that could revolutionize the human experience. I mean, that's tight. Uh, that's tight. Um, so uh, let me just get into a little bit more about what the, the, the guy that was managing at the DOD said, because this article is long AF, but his quotes are interesting. Present at a recent meeting was Louis Azondo, who ran an important program at the DOD. Uh, he's a senior career intelligence officer whose experience includes working with the U.S. Army, the Department of Defense, the National Counterintelligence Executive, and the Director of National Intelligence. He served as the director for the national programs. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, Lou will architect partnerships with some very sensitive places 
to help protect us and the technology involved so we may achieve for you the extraordinary. Lou, which is Louie's nickname, had resigned his position at the DOD literally the day before Tom and him met. Uh, Tom says, I was able to verify who he was and what his tasks were at the Pentagon. He received the highest commendations from his superiors, and I was told that important unclassified data and documentation are expected to be released through the Academy's online community of interest in collaboration with the U.S. government. Uh, this writer supposedly asked Louis if un- un- unidentified phenomena were considered to be threats, and Louis said they did not exhibit overt hostility. But something unexplained is always assumed to be a potential threat until we are certain it isn't. On the bright side, I believe we are closer than ever before in our and- understanding of how it operates. Man, I'm tripping up on my words this week, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, um, I didn't get much sleep last night and I'm running on iced coffee. And so that's what you get. You know, you get a kind of like jittery mess. Okay, last story for Weird of the Week. Let's slap it and trap it. Wandering emu lassoed in California neighborhood. Gotta love a wandering emu. Wandering emu. Emu kind of sounds like the name of uh, of a band or maybe like... Yeah, but like kind of an experimental kind of Seeger Rose type band, you know. We're wandering emu. Uh, police in California said an emu spotted wandering loose through a residential neighborhood was lassoed with the help of an animal service officer. The Pleasanton Police Department said animal services officer Frankie Ayers and community service officer Amy Martin responded to the report of the large flightless bird running loose in the preserved neighborhood in West Pleasanton. This was called in by several residents as the emu was sitting in the front yard of a residence off of Blessing Drive. Pleasanton Police Lieutenant Kurt Schluber uh, told the Pleasanton Weekly, Ayers and Martin, who both had animal wrangling experience from growing up on farms, were able to lasso the flightless Australian bird and take it to the Alameda County Sheriff's Office's animal shelter, where it was reunited with its owner. Man, I tell you what lassoing an emu is a very specific skill to have uh good thing people uh have that skill if that emu had gotten loose in my neighborhood guess what it'd still be loose right the fuck now okay so let's get into my conversation with ryan sprague ufo researcher and podcast host Ryan, thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Finally, we've been talking online for a bit, and we finally nailed down a date. Uh, so I'm yeah, excited man, to I'm, you. Uh, I am too. I, I'm a huge fan. I've been following your work for a long time. Oh, and awesome. uh, it's certainly my pleasure being here. Thanks, Andrew. Well, thank you. So I guess let's just start at the, at the beginning. You know, you're a UFO researcher. How did your interest in that begin? And how do you start researching that type of thing? Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it was actually really early. I uh, I was twelve years old when I first got interested. I um, I had a UFO sighting in uh, oh, Central wow. New at, York. At twelve years old. At twelve years old, yeah. Oh wow! I uh, I was fishing off a dock. Um, it was summer. I was at a like a motel with my parents, and there was a dock right off of the motel that I would fish off of. And uh, I remember I was specifically listening to Green Day on my uh, my Discman <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And uh, I, what song was it? I think it was Basket Case I was listening uh-huh. to. And um, I'm reeling my line in. It was getting dark. So I was like, all right, I'm done for the night. Go in, watch the Yankees game with my dad. But um, as I'm reeling my line in, I saw these white lights in the water. And hmm. I thought it was pretty odd. They weren't there when I was fishing. So I kind of bend down, look down in the water, and then I realize it was a reflection. So I look up, and uh, that's when I saw what I saw. It was um, it was a formation of lights. It was three white lights in a triangular formation, and then there was sort of like that red hazy light in the middle. Um, I, yeah. I guess what a lot of people consider like a prototypical triangular UFO, um, but I didn't see like a machine or structure. I just saw the formation of lights. And right. uh, 
it was just hanging there, like completely silent. I remember I ripped my headphones off. I got so scared and uh, I couldn't hear anything. It was just my headphones in the distance, my discman still playing and the water hitting the dock. And that was it. And um, I was petrified. I didn't know what yeah. it was, uh, what to do. And I finally got like a little squeal out and my dad came out and he actually saw the tail end of this thing with me. So I oh, knew wow. I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I knew I wasn't like, you know, going nuts or making shit up. And uh, my dad saw it and we watched it coast over the water, the St. Lawrence River, and it disappeared uh, over into Canada, which is actually right on the other side of this river. And yeah. we both just were dumbfounded. And yeah, man, that was when, kind of it. I became obsessed after that. I would imagine when it moved, was there sound associated with it or was it silent? It was completely silent. Um, the The only thing I really remember is kind of what I felt when it was happening. Yeah. And that was like this weird kind of vibration going through my body. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, whatever was above me or if I was just like yeah. adrenaline kicking in. I don't know. But I could feel like a low vibration kind of rattling my body. And uh, mm. yeah, man, it, it definitely stayed with me. Obviously, it sent me on the path I am today. I recently had a, a friend told me about an experience. I have a friend who shall remain nameless, but she needs to come on the podcast because every time I see her, she tells me a different story. And and uh, not only about UFO sightings, but she's had experiences with sleep paralysis and shadow people and demonic things. And she she's just a very uh, empathic, I guess is the word, person. And uh, things really reach her. And I always she listens to the podcast and i say will you, will you please come on and in fact she'll probably be listening to this one you know who you are and i want you to come on my podcast um but she recently told us about an experience uh that she had uh, with a ufo and similarly it was silent when it it moved and uh that always stayed with her that it wasn't this like, giant booming sound that you would think something that size would make um yeah. and, and jess i don't think i'm speaking out of turn to say that jess my co-host, who's out of town currently, she said it on the podcast before that she had a, an experience where she saw the, a triangulation of lights. I think okay. it was Michigan, and I think it was years and years ago. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's not always the the flying disc that that <laughs> people often cite. Um, so so at that point, you're 12 years old. Did you immediately in the moment say, well? UFO or were you thinking okay let me unpack this from a pragmatic angle this is a military ship of some kind or I mean, what did your dad say where did you go from there just mentally with it all yeah I mean so I mean again I'm 12 I was no aviation expert yeah. by any means but um of course yeah I mean your mind starts to really go through everything because you're you're trying to process something you've never seen before and, yeah. and that's hard, you know, and um, I just remember thinking to myself, uh, what what could this possibly be? And when my dad came out, we were silent the whole time looking at it mm -hmm. until it disappeared. Then we started talking. We were like, huh, um, OK. And of course, I'm 12. I'm looking at my dad to, like, explain this to me. Yeah, like, that's your job. You're my protector. Tell me what's going right. on here. Help this make and sense. I, Help me make sense of this, man. Exactly. And he couldn't. And, yeah. and that's when I knew something was off. Like, I've never seen my dad kind of that visibly shaken. Um, and that's what really scared me is when your own parent can't explain what's right. going on. Um, is is just as dumb as as dumbfounded as you are. Yeah. And um and it kind of stuck with me, man. I had nightmares for like years after seeing this thing. It would appear in all my dreams and this and that. And um, it was a snowball effect from there. I became obsessed with UFOs, um, you know, kind of on the DL. I didn't really right. talk about it with people. Um, but I was taking out books at the library and writing like essays to myself about like <laughs> Roswell UFO crash and uh, stuff like that. But I didn't talk about that sighting with my dad until I was in like my mid to late 20s over a beer at a bar, we finally sat down oh, wow. and tried to unpack it. And uh, that was a pivotal moment for me, uh, for sure, when your dad finally can look at what you've done and that you're not crazy and that yeah. like, 
you know, thousands of people around the world are seeing things like this. And uh, yeah, that was a vindication for me, for sure. So what do you what do you turn to first for research? What were some of the books that you read? Uh, are they some of the you know the infamous ones? Uh, what did what did you immediately start to consume to try to learn more about UFOs? Yeah, so the the first book I ever took out was uh, Crash at Corona by Stanton mm-hmm. T. Friedman, the nuclear physicist who is pretty much well known for having kind of broken the story on the Roswell UFO incident, mm-hmm. and I mean. Not only were UFOs, whatever they are, like visiting our planet, but now they were crashing. So that was like another big one for me. I'm like, holy shit. Like the government knows about this. Uh, They're covering Mm. it up. And um, I kind of, you know, from there reached out to other cases. Um, I remember the the 1980 Rendlesham Forest UFO incident was a big one for me. Um, It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite UFO cases of all time. Um, I'm actually writing a play about it here in New York oh, City wow. when I'm not uh yeah, when I don't do the UFO thing, I'm a playwright in New York, a struggling artist like everyone else. Yeah. And uh I decided to kind of mix those passions together and um yeah, yeah. Rendlesham is like the case for your viewers and listeners to go check out if they want a documented UFO case. Yeah. What were you drawn to any uh any films that you felt like were accurate representations of people's experiences because i know most of the time you know they're they're uh heightened to a degree to where uh they may not be a reflection of the cases that you read about intimately and in a lot of these books but were you drawn to any films that that stayed with you the and it always seems to come back to roswell uh there was like a a showtime i believe it was a movie made about the roswell incident um Forgetting who played the main general guy, uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, oh, you wow. had the I've dude never from seen this. Oh, it's so good, man. Um, if you type in like Showtime Roswell, it should pop up. I think you can watch it on YouTube. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's pretty good for the time period it was made in, like the mid '90s, I think. Uh, but yeah, it was as truthful and accurate as it could be. I mean. They were using all of the documents that could be found on the incident right. uh, in the film. So that one really stuck with me. And then I know a couple of years later, I watched Fire in the Sky. Of course, the, yeah. You know, the, the logger who got abducted. Again, mm-hmm. one of the most highly credible abduction cases out there, if you yeah. buy into that kind of stuff. And um, those ones probably stuck with me most in terms of yeah. film. Yeah, I remember seeing Fire Fire in the Sky when I was... However old I was when it came out, I remember us renting it on VHS and it hitting me in a way that I didn't expect. Um, I guess in a way that that simple science fiction or an adventure movie, it didn't feel like when I sat down to watch Flight of the Navigator. Let's say that, you know, (laughs) it had a different effect on me for sure. Um, But I do love Flight of the Navigator. Uh, So (laughs) so what are some of the stories that that you've heard from people that have stayed with you and struck uh, the deepest chord with you. Um, And and also, how did you get connected to the people that you've heard a lot of these stories from? How do you find people to talk to about this subject? Right. It's, you know, back in the the early days of my research, and I I should say my first interview I ever did with a UFO witness was when I was 13. um, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. I, I remember my dad, he was a big bowler, in our hometown of Syracuse, New York. And he met some dude while he was bowling who said, oh yeah, my uh, my grandfather says he saw a UFO during Vietnam. And my dad was like, whoa, oh. that's interesting. And lo and behold, like I've got in touch with the guy and uh, we were on the phone for like three hours and maybe like 10 minutes was about this UFO event he saw. The yeah. rest was about his whole life and about serving and being in Vietnam, which was amazing in itself. But uh, yeah, he had an incredible um, UFO sighting over the Pacific Ocean. And um, he was told to be quiet about it. He didn't talk about it for 40-something years until he talked to me. And he actually, uh, he died like six months after I talked to him. So I was like one of the first and last people he ever told it about. And I actually, I wrote down everything he told me and I submitted it to my English teacher in middle school. I was school. gonna say, were you were you 
interviewing him for any purpose other than just knowledge on your own part? Or were you writing it uh, to be in a book in the future? But it was you turned it in as a school assignment. Yeah, That's it was awesome. kind of both. It was my yeah. own curiosity. And um, I was like, oh, maybe I could make something out of this. And I got an yeah. A on it. So I guess I did OK. But um, <laughs> yeah, that that kind of trickled up to today where, um, you know, when when all the social media blew up and everything. I mean, I remember still being on those really dark corner chat forums or whatever on AOL mm-hmm. of like conspiracies and UFOs. And uh, that was my early in um, to meeting people digitally and talking to them about it. And now, of course, with Facebook and Twitter, um, it's easier than ever. I mean, I can't tell you how full my inbox is on everything about yeah. people who've seen things. And it's just, it's incredible. The the staggering amount of people who have seen things they can't explain. And it feels like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like our posture toward it just culturally has shifted. It, it feels like there was an era where it was, if you believe in this stuff, you're a whack job. This is crazy. But now with a lot of what's come out recently, it's almost like in an attempt to, um, oh, what's the word, uh, overcompensate, people's reactions are like, oh, no, I mean, I get it. Yeah, no, it's real. Okay, sure, cool, whatever, moving on. It's almost like now people are trying to downplay it just because it's it's yeah. so real and so convincing with some of the stuff that's come out just in the last, like, two years that now people are compar- compartmentalizing it in a different way. They're like, yeah, 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 well, it's UAP, though, so it's not UFO. Um, and yeah. they're, they, they're not seeing it as w- what it is. It still is a- as amazing of a discovery as it would have been if you just believed it in the nineties, <laughs> but yeah. you're looking at it differently because when it finally hits, yeah, it looks kind of straightforward. There's like footage from a Naval, you know, pilots camera, mm-hmm. uh, showing it. And it, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but just that it now seems so believable people have stopped being as uh, blown away by it, if you know what I mean. Or at least it's not shrouded in as much, uh, uh, it's not as odd to believe in it anymore. Yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, it was so fringe and uh, full of stigma for so long. I mean, again, my parents like told me, stop talking about this stuff in public. Like people are going to think you're you're crazy. Or I remember, (laughs) you know, even living in New York, like in my early days in the dating scene, like I was losing yeah. so many second dates when I said I was a, a UFO researcher. Of course. But now, man, I, I mean, I've been in a relationship for almost a decade now. And it's uh, because my partner supports the stuff and I'm doing because yeah. of how legitimate it's become. And um, right. I think you're right. I think we have to also remember even the term UFO was coined by the U.S. Air Force to downplay the high strangeness of the situation. It's like, oh, yeah, right. just tell the public they're unidentified flying objects. We'll right. figure Could them all anything. out moving on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and we're yeah. seeing that now today. Um, UAP yeah. is the new term, and again, coined by the government. So, yeah, right. you got to wonder. And I've got so many questions. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit to just some of the most interesting ufo witness stories you've received uh and then i want to pop back to talk about the current climate around this phenomenon but um what are some of the others that you've that you've heard over the years that have really stuck with you i've never even thought of a a ufo in vietnam i mean that's astounding (laughs) yeah that's that had to be a unique one absolutely man and i mean i remember hearing other stories from vietnam where Soldiers were uh, in danger in really, really bad situations. And lo and behold, they look up and there's some weird thing in the sky that kind of led them to safety. So you do have to wonder, uh, what is the intention of these phenomena? Um, How do we interpret them? But uh, so many military cases that I've written about in um, uh, the two books that I've done on strictly UFO testimony Mm -hmm. from the mouths of people who've, who've experienced it. And uh, one of the ones that really sticks out to me that I always go to is um, this guy named Scott. He uh, This is back in um, uh, 1974, and he was mm-hmm. going to a drive-in movie theater with a buddy of his in uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. And I remember him telling me that they, they pull into the parking lot. It's full, totally sold out. 
and they're waiting for the movie to start. And then all of a sudden, all the power in the entire driving goes off. You know, the floodlights mm-hmm. above. Um, the movie screen went completely black. And they're like, oh, yeah. bummer. Like, something must happen. And as everyone's kind of like figuring out what to do, people are trying to turn their cars on to shine their headlights. Uh, nobody's cars would start. So mm-hmm. something was definitely going on. And Scott remembers looking over the movie screen and this huge chevron-shaped object, um, completely solid black, no appendages, no signs of windows, nothing, propulsion. It just coasts over the movie screen, over the parking lot, and um, coasts over, disappears in a field in the distance, and then all of the power comes back on as soon as this thing is like mm. out of sight. And you would think people would be freaking out or like talking to each other about what just happened. But Scott remembers after it happened, he got out of the car, he went to the restroom, waited in line, and nobody was talking about what just happened. Nobody. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, what the, what, what does that mean? And he told me, he's like, dude, I didn't remember this thing happening until years after when I saw like a huh. UFO book. And I had my memory triggered and all these memories started coming back. And I'm just like, huh, okay. So apparently hundreds and hundreds of people were there. You're the only one telling this story. Of course, I'm going to be skeptical about this. Um, And and I I didn't know what to make of it. Like this story rested just on this one guy's shoulders. And again, you're dealing with some sort of like instant amnesia or blackout. Yeah. This thing went over this drive-in. Um, so I dug deep, man. Like I, I, I remember going into all the newspapers looking for any articles about this thing at about the time. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, I tried to contact the drive-in and of course the drive-in theater's closed at this point. And I, yeah. I was kind of done. I'm like, oh, well, it's a cool story, but I have nothing to really base it on except your, your word on this. And, um, yeah. once I wrote it, I did put it in the book because I thought it was a really interesting case and then i came out with a second edition of my book uh, a few months ago and before that happened i got contacted by a woman via email uh in my spam folder of all things so i almost immediately deleted it but then i saw drive-in ufo in the subject line and i'm like huh i open it up and boom this woman said her boyfriend worked at the drive-in movie theater they lived a town over from this guy they saw the black chevron shaped craft and they knew he was telling the truth. Oh, so wow. I was able to bring that to this guy. And where who, was for this? Like what years. city was it? Um, it was Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Ohio. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was it. And I, I, wow. I was so excited to like be like, I know you're telling the truth. I know you're not crazy. Yeah. Like this shit happened. I believe you now, um, which is awesome. And I think for yeah. a lot of UFO witnesses, that's important to have vindication because Everyone, it's in everyone's nature not to believe these things until it happens mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Do you think, and this is a really like specific kind of micro question, but do you think um, when these ships have appeared, when they've visited, are they all the same uh, race or species of alien life form? Or are we seeing different ships from different visiting species you know what i mean uh, and yeah. i don't know if there's any specific science to support it or if it's just you can just tell me your straight up opinion but are they yeah. multiple different types of aliens or do you believe there's just one species that's been peeking in on us over the years <laughs> right i mean in my i guess um somewhat educational opinion i mean yeah. i have been researching for for god almost 20 something years now yeah. um I don't think we're dealing with one pilot, one source, one phenomenon. Um, I think this new term, aerial phenomena, that everyone's using is a lot more (laughs) accurate. I think there's tons of things going on. Um, And the the big problem, Andrew, that I run into is when when I do interviews or um, I see articles come out about UFOs, it's always attached to the word alien. And that's when I say, like, just put on the brakes. We have absolutely no definitive proof that what these things are are alien. Um, Right. It's a good guess, and I'm sure some of it could be that. But, man, like, we could be dealing with anything. Interdimensional beings, us from the future, 
yeah. uh, whatever. You know, insert weird thing here for what UFOs are. Right. And uh, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. If there was just one source or it was just the gray aliens doing this stuff. Uh, yeah. I think that would actually be kind of depressing <laughs> to, when yeah. you really think about it. So I'm completely yeah. open to anything at this point because end of the day, nobody knows what the hell is going on. Right. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about, I've been getting a little turned around on some of the more modern uh, examples of this. I know that there was, there was footage from San Diego recently, right? Or at least in the last two years, what ha what have been the occurrences that have come out recently that have reignited a lot of interest in this and also kind of credibility in it? And I mean, I know there's also the what Tom DeLong is doing, um, mm. but why this resurgence in the last couple of years of um, of these new phenomenons? Um, yeah, if you can walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and I'll make it as brief as I can. In uh, 2017. Uh, an article broke in the New York Times saying that there had been a secret Pentagon UFO program running for mm -hmm. about eight years, uh, funded and created by Senator, former Senator Harry Reid and uh, a couple other people. And the Pentagon pumped $22 million something dollars into investigating UFOs, uh, military-reported UFOs, to be specific. And the case you're talking about out of um, San Diego area is probably the most prominent, and I'm sure some of your viewers and listeners have seen the footage that's been dubbed the Tic Tac UFO. Right. Um, yeah, and I actually have a whole chapter in my book with the first person who uh, tracked the Tic Tac UFO on radar and sent the pilots up to try to intercept the thing, and that's the oh, only wow. reason we have this you know, this footage now from the Navy. So I don't even think I realized that they were up there because this thing had already been tracked. I, yeah. I thought it was just a happenstance. They were flying and then this thing, you know, appeared in front of them. But no, they were up there because of this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, to an extent, uh, yeah. they were doing a training exercise at the time. Okay. And, uh, but not, not to uh, chase UFOs. I can tell you that much, but yeah. um. What happened was this dude caught like 20 something unknowns on radar. So we see this video of the Tic Tac. It's one thing. There yeah. were dozens of these Tic Tacs in gotcha. the area. And uh, one of the Top Gun pilots chased the thing. And he watched this thing go from like 80,000 feet down to the surface of the ocean within seconds. And then hmm. boom, pop back up within seconds. And uh, he couldn't explain it. Till this day, yeah. he doesn't know what it was. But uh, that case, the the Nimitz encounter, as a lot of people have called it, um, mm -hmm. is stunning. And we're still finding more and more witnesses coming forward with it, uh, two of which I've spoken to recently who are going to be going public very soon. And oh, wow. this is probably, man, the most important UFO case to have happened since... God, since Roswell. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not afraid to say that. There's international cases as well, but man, the fact that our most sophisticated pilots are yeah. being outmaneuvered by these things, it's astounding. And now our government's admitting it, which I think is the big yeah. thing to take away from all of this, man. Like, they've denied it for so long. They've called us crazy. You're they've right. downplayed it. And now they're acknowledging it. And uh, now the real questions start, like, what are they? Who are they? What do they want? Mm-hmm. What's the, like, is there an official, I don't know if there would be a way to know the official current uh, opinion from the government on Roswell, but what? how is Roswell classified officially um, by the government? How do they regard that? So <laughs> they have changed their story so many times, man, which yeah. is a clear indication that either they don't know what the hell crashed there or they know that the public is a lot smarter than they give them credit for, and they're going to figure out that they're being fed BS. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, the, the most recent time I think was in 94, where they did Roswell, case closed. The U.S. Air Force debunks Roswell, and they said it was a weather balloon, the old cliche mm -hmm. we've heard, with crash test dummies. But yeah. I spoke personally to the dude who wrote the manual on those test dummies, and he said, F no, those were not <laughs> test dummies, those bodies that were found. I created the manual about these test dummies, and this was years 
after the Roswell yeah. incident. So they weren't even manufactured then. So again, they've come out with so many explanations of what it was. Uh, and I've personally investigated the case. I've gone to Roswell. I've been to the crash site. I mm-hmm. had um, metals tested at an aerospace lab from a gentleman who found them in the ground at the impact site where Roswell happened. And what we found in these metals was astounding, to say the least. Mm. And case open, man. It's still wide yeah. open. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who it was that we've spoken to on this podcast, but there we, we had a guest who also talked specifically about uh, the metals that were found, not at Roswell, but at a different site, and how that was, uh, yeah, that was something that just couldn't be explained. Um, and I don't remember the guest, uh, so it's a dead end anecdote, but, uh, but it I've always heard, is Welcome I've heard to my life <laughs> and that's super interesting. Um, if you had to surmise, what do you think if they're not alien or if they're us or if they're interdimensional, what do you think the visitations mean? Is it just simple observation? Is it they're here with ill will toward us? Um, Maybe it's yeah. many, many different um, motives, but what do you lean toward? I always look at um, something like the first detonation of like uh, the atomic bomb. Like, mm-hmm. there's a beacon right there. If it is aliens and they saw that or they felt that or they were monitoring us yeah. and saw what we're capable of, that was the moment where they're like, holy shit, we got to start looking at this planet. Because either they're going to destroy themselves or they could possibly right. destroy other civilizations out there. So if it's aliens, I do think, yeah, they're monitoring us. They're keeping an eye on us. I mean, I recently spoke to a UFO researcher who compiled 160-something cases of UFOs over, over nuclear facilities. They oh, have shut off, shut on nuclear weapons. And we're talking wow. all over the world, not just in America. So... Look, if they're capable of doing that, like, I feel like they would have either destroyed us by now if yeah. that was their intention. Um, so I can't tell you. All I know is um, there's people experiencing these things, seeing these things all over the world. And um, I think there is endless possibilities of what it could be. And um, that might seem like a passive answer, but man, like I said, nobody yeah. knows what's going on. I don't think the government even has a handle on what's going on. Right. And that's why they deny it, or that's why they create a task force mm-hmm. right now in 2020 to investigate it, because then they control the information that gets yeah. out to the public about what it is. And um, it makes us feel like, yeah, our military's got it. They've got this under right. control. Um, when in reality, they have absolutely no idea how to deal with these things. My hope for 2020 is that if Trump does refuse to just leave the White House, that uh, an alien spaceship shows up right above and just sucks him up and takes him away. That would be the perfect end. I'm like, good. The dude's yeah, out man. and he's off in space somewhere. Yeah. Um, but then I guess alien, the, 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 I was going to say uh, alien intervention would be probably yeah, that would be the time, right, Andrew? <laughs> yes, Exactly. The fear would be that somehow Trump convinces them to to follow him, and then he comes back in ten years with a army of you know red hat wearing aliens. Oh God! <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, are there any are there any physical sites that you'd like to visit that you haven't? Um, and then also, what are some of the places you've been uh, that have been some of your favorites? I'm assuming Roswell is one of them to have physically traveled there. Uh, what are some others and what are some places, some destinations that you you hope to visit? Yeah, I mean, and I have to thank um, the the production company I work with on uh, a television show. It's called Mysteries Decoded that yeah. I have co-hosted. And they're the ones who gave me the resources and opportunity to go to these places. That's and you great. don't get that, you know, as an independent UFO researcher. Like, I'm not, there's no money in this stuff. Trust me on that. <laughs> So when they're, when they're saying they're going to fly me out to the desert where a UFO crashed, I'm going to go. So, yeah. yeah, Roswell was the big one for me, for sure, you know, standing on that ground. Um, I've been to uh, Area 51. I've been to the gates of Area 51, I should say, and um, 
had some really weird experiences there as well of being monitored and tracked while huh. going there. Um, but other than that, I've visited uh, Phoenix, where the famous Phoenix Lights incident took place in um, 97, I believe it was. Uh, for me personally, I think the place I really want to go is um, the this area in Michigan, um, off of Lake Superior. Hmm. I'm investigating a case right now um, from 2019, where like six or seven people witnessed these orb-like UFOs over the water. And these UFOs were popping in and out over the beach that they were on, like hovering above them and then shooting back out over the water. Oh, wow. And um, we have video evidence of it. Like I said, six witnesses who I've all interviewed separately and have told me very strikingly similar stories. Hmm. Uh, We've got a ship that was out on the water during this event. We were able to get in contact with the captain of the ship to start talking about what was going on out there. Like, did you have anything to do with this? They did not. So yeah. that one for me, man, that I, what happened was I started investigating this case right when COVID hit and mm-hmm. um, I haven't been able to get out there, you know, due to like travel and yeah. everything, lockdowns, blah, blah, blah. So that one for me, man, it's an active investigation. I want to get to Michigan um, at this area where this happened and go investigate that because I think it's one of the most incredible cases in the past few years for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you does your interest spread to uh, cryptozoology and anything paranormal, or are you kind of strictly um, a UFO a UFO guy, as it were? A UFO guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, used to be. I used to be yeah. for sure. Um, you know, I was always very skeptical of ghosts and. Um, you know, Bigfoot and all that, which sounds ridiculous coming from a guy who <laughs> talks about UFOs. But hey, man, I, I really think that we kind of fear what we don't know. And that keeps us from yeah. believing in things. And ghosts scare the shit out of me. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I had an experience a couple of years ago, a paranormal, supernatural experience that I couldn't explain. Oh, really? And, Do you um, mind telling us? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, um, yeah. I was in uh, Nova Scotia in Canada, actually. And um, I was going out there to do a conference to speak at, and the uh, the head of the conference took us to this really old, cool museum uh, called the Queens County Museum in Nova Scotia. And she's like, we're going to do a ghost hunt. It's going to be super cool. We've had a lot of people say they've seen stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I go to this ghost hunt. There's like maybe a dozen of us or so. And this place is huge, very cavernous. And everyone's got their gadgets and their gizmos, their you know their EVP meters and their um their spirit boxes, what yeah. have you, <laughs> going through the rooms, doing all that stuff we see on TV, which is it was entertaining for me because like all I've ever known of it was what I see on TV, yeah. and um, you know I was very skeptical and uh, not not making fun of anyone or ridiculing anyone because like hey I right. don't know, uh, but just kind of being like oh this is kind of entertaining. And yeah. I remember um, we went into this room called the activity room, which is where kids could go and play while the parents went throughout the museum. And the woman in charge told us, yeah, we get a lot of like hits in this room of a little girl who supposedly huh. haunts the activity room. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you've already planted that in our head. So now we're going to be right. looking for a little girl ghost, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we busted out the spirit box. And I'm sure your listeners are kind of familiar with that at this point, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you brush through frequencies. Yeah, we think we talked about a spirit box uh, recently, yeah. Okay. Um, And what's interesting is, like, you know, Andrew, they it goes through frequencies at, like, milliseconds, so you're picking up different yeah. frequencies. So you should never be able to, like, hear something all the way through. Uh, You try to gather words that might make a sentence, and mm-hmm. it might be a spirit communicating. Um, What was interesting is... As it's brushing through the frequencies, all we heard was what sounded like a child crying. And it was oh, wow. constant throughout the oh, entire wow. thing. And that that was a little freaky, um, but yeah. I kind of laughed it off. And um, the, the host was like, oh, she must be scared. Like, let's all get down to her level and um, see if we can communicate more. I'm like, okay, fine. So we all yeah. sit down and I'm like in the corner. I'm sitting cross-legged just like listening whatever and um 
I remember distinctly having one of those like cold rushes come over me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking around, no windows, no air vents. Like it's it it's not a draft um, that I know of. And then I felt my knees hit the ground, and mm. that was the moment for me because it felt like there was a weight in my lap and fingers around my neck, like someone was sitting in my lap hugging me, and wow. it freaked me the hell out, man. I remember I just kind of reared back. And that's when I felt the weight, like, get up and, like, whoosh, go away. Yeah. And I looked in the doorway, and my buddy, who's also a UFO guy and very skeptical of ghosts, he turns in the doorway like something just ran past him. Wow. So <laughs> I get up, and I'm like, dude, why'd you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just felt like something had to leave the room. And yeah. I just, I was the ghost then, man. I was so pale. <laughs> I was like, oh, I bet. What the hell just happened? So... That was kind of it yeah. for me. It was something I felt. It wasn't what I saw. It wasn't what I heard, what I smelled. It yeah. was what I felt. And um, that's really stuck with me and given me such a new outlook on the supernatural and paranormal for sure. So, um, yeah, I think I just need to yeah. mark off cryptid on my uh, my own eyewitness checklist. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like getting an EGOT. It's, it's on the list. Of, <laughs> I'm on my way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had people tell stories of... Um, well, A, uh, a ghost that um, someone felt on the back of their neck and it kind of felt like their hand was leaving them. And then when the person who felt that looked at the person next to them, they moved like they got bumped. Like it's like the, the spirit kind of moved from them and then shoved through this way. And they had a similar moment of like, wait, why did you just go like that? And it was like, because it felt like somebody was grabbing my neck. Why did you just go yeah. like this? Like, because it felt like somebody bumped into me. Yeah. And then... um and then a personal friend of mine had an experience once that uh, felt like it was more with a demonic presence of some kind where uh, she pushed this entity off of her and uh, her roommate felt something then land on her bed mm. and it woke her up. And she said, what the fuck was that? And my friend was like, I don't know. I just pushed something off of me. And her friend was like, well, something just fucking hit my feet. It was really interesting when it, it, Passes when when two people experience interaction with the same seemingly the same entity. Yeah. It's very like affirming. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Are there places um for UFO sightings, is there a uh let's see, how do I phrase this? Uh is there any destination for people that wish to see a UFO that has been predicted that or, or a site where there are numerous sightings where people go because they are likely to see one. Or are there any predictions like, well, in 2024, you know, at this spot in the woods, it's been predicted that something will be seen. Are there any places like that that are, I know there's destinations for people that want to visit sites like Roswell and mm-hmm. um, sites where there have been sightings. But there any anything for the future that people are looking to, to hopefully see something? Uh, or does that not really exist in the in the culture? It does. It definitely does. Uh, I I don't know how much I personally put stock into that. You know, these these window areas, as we call them, where UFOs seem to be coming in and out all the time. But the the numbers, the numbers don't lie. And I um, I'm in contact with a woman every day almost who all she does is do statistics on UFO sightings and compile these things to find the most active areas. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. like down to the county of a certain place. It's amazing. I mean, she's got a book, like, God, it's like three Bibles in one. And um, so, of course, I'm going to go to her when, like, I hear a UFO sighting happen somewhere. And how many happened in this area? She'll tell me, and I'll be like, that's where I want to go next. And for me, the areas that seem to be the most active, here in the United States at least, would have to be the San Luis Valley, which is in um, Mm -hmm. Colorado, uh, which is an astounding area. It's beautiful. The most clear skies you can possibly think of. So of course you're going to see something. I mean, I live in New York city where I can't see shit. There's right, right. Thousands of planes above me every day, light pollution beyond comprehension. So like seeing a UFO here is pretty rare. It's happened, but it, but, um, somewhere like San Luis Valley and, uh, Sedona in Arizona is another really big one. Um, Mm -hmm. that seemed to be these areas where, 
UFOs come in and out. If that has to do yeah. with, I don't know, a wormhole or like an interdimensional, um, you know, veil being ripped open and coming in, I couldn't tell you. But those seem to yeah. be some of the most popular areas areas currently. Mm. Uh, Sedona, Arizona, San Luis Valley. Um, man, bodies of water. If you want to see a UFO, yeah. my UFO sighting happened over a lake. Uh, the current case mm. I'm looking into happened over a lake. Uh, so many cases in my books happened over water. And I had to pay attention to that and call notice to that. There seems to yeah. be something about our oceans. Look at the Tic Tac event um, mm-hmm. where these UFOs either want to know what this wet stuff is that takes over most of our planet or right. it's of some use to them. I don't know, man, but it's mm. astounding. Um, so, yeah, you want to see a, a UFO, go to a beach, go to a lake, yeah. hang out there for a few hours and you're going to see something. A, f- a friend of mine uh, recently uh sh- shared with me that she saw something over LA like flying over the 5 freeway and i hadn't yeah. thought about that before about city sightings what can you tell me about one a sighting that happened in new york i've never even thought about ufo's other than the images we've seen and obviously things like independence day but i mm-hmm. always picture uh, bodies of water or forests um yeah and i haven't thought about seeing something over a, a cityscape are there infamous New York sightings? There's a couple. I mean, we have um, probably the most famous is John Lennon. When he lived in the uh, the Dakota Hotel up near Central Park, he had a UFO sighting, um, which, you know, classic I've ever heard disc. that. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. If you look it up, um, he tell, yeah. there's audio of him recalling it. And hey... I don't know. He might have been on something during this event because sure, it's pretty sure. uh, it's pretty trippy. But um, yeah. he was standing out on his balcony completely naked, just looking over Central Park. And he saw a classic silver disc in the wow. air. He said it hovered there and then it zipped off. Um, that's probably the most famous. Um, New York's also known for a really, really weird abduction case. Um I'll, I'll give you the really Cliff Notes version. This woman back in the 80s, she she was asleep, and she remembers in the middle of the night, these beings floated through her solid wall of her bedroom, 12 floors up in her Manhattan apartment, floated her out of the room, through the hmm. wall, and up into their craft, and disappeared out of sight. And she has, like, a crazy abduction memory after that um totally sensational i'm sure everyone would brush it off immediately but we actually had witnesses that saw the craft saw the beings floating in midair go up into this craft and shoot off wow and one of those witnesses actually worked for the un he was in charge of the un at the time oh so Super freaky, man. If anyone wants to yeah. really look into that one, uh, there's a book called um, Witness, I believe it's called, okay. by the famous abduction researcher Bud Hopkins. Um, okay. Yeah, just look up Brooklyn Bridge UFO incident. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy story. So, yeah, I mean, we have them here, but um, yeah. I don't know, man. Between L.A., I've lived in L.A., I've lived in New York now. There's so many aliens around you every day that you can't even tell up from down anyways. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, Ryan, it's been great talking to you. Um, I mean, we we could keep going and we should have you back. Um, But where can people find you and and find your book and listen to your podcast? Uh, Just give people uh, a heads up on where they can find you uh, on social media. Oh, thanks, man. Well, no, it was my pleasure being here. Like I said, been a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. Thank fan you. <laughs> <laughs> so good to talk to you. Um, I can, everything I do, I have a website somewhere in the skies.com. Um, like I mentioned, my book just came out a couple months ago. Um, mm-hmm. You can find it on Amazon, paperback, ebook, and audiobook, actually. That's dropping this week. Um, the book is called Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon. Uh, I do a podcast every week on UFOs. Same title, Somewhere in the Skies. Yeah. Everything's at my website. So yeah, that that's me in a right. nutshell. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much, man. And keep looking up. Thanks. 
Well, that was a great chat with Ryan. We will definitely have him back. Um, I love talking to somebody that has such deep knowledge on a subject. The fact that he had a sighting when he was 12, interviewed his first eyewitness when he was 13. He's been saturated in this world for decades, and I'm sure there's more to explore with him in the future on The Untold Hour. Until next week, this has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye! Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bizarre. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to the Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at the Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbanks Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.